I'm glad that we are in the house of God, and uh, it's very, very important that we uh, don't forget his promises, his faithfulness. Amen. Amen. And that's what I want to speak about today. And um, a lot of these things I'll just be sharing briefly will be um, some of the things we've been talking about for this season. But I want to get right into his word. And I'm just so thankful for the Lord, for his faithfulness towards us. Who is, who is grateful and so just so thankful to God. And uh, you have a low moment, and then God's there to boost you and just remind you of his faithfulness. Amen. And so I just want to read a few things, um, and uh, just listening to the Holy Spirit here on uh, what he wants to say, and I believe he's got a few things to give us. Um, just quickly, what I think I'm going to start with here is uh, who's been doing the Bible reading with us? Anybody in here been doing our Bible reading daily? Right? So we've just been reading, like Tom said, through Genesis. And God made some covenants with uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, didn't he? Right? God made some covenants uh, with Noah. And uh, God made some covenants with the earth, for that matter. And, um, and God is a covenant-keeping God. God is a promise-keeping God. He's a faithful God. I want you to say that out loud today. God is a covenant keeping God. Amen. So because of that, I just want to quickly just read. I just picked out a few verses from our reading this week in Exodus. Let me just start here, and then I'll get into uh, some, some of what I would like to speak about uh, right from this, actually. So in Exodus chapter 2, um, now we are in uh, Egypt, right? We just we went through Genesis, and God has now grown a people, and now the Israelites have grown to um, somewhere around a couple million people that we can best figure out. We're not quite sure, uh, but somewhere in the, in the in this a very very large family, what was just a you know the tribe of uh, twelve and Joseph there with his sons uh, as well, and then. They get into Egypt, and God protects them, preserves them, right? But then they grow. For 400 years, they grow into this massive nation, the nation of Israel. Uh, they're not a nation yet, but that's really who they are in God's eyes. So it just says in Exodus chapter 2, I just want to encourage you today. In Exodus chapter 2, uh, verse 23, uh, I'm just going to read from two, chapter 2 through 6, just a couple of verses. I want you just to see God. In this, and if you've been reading, you read this this week. It says that years passed. Everybody say years passed. No one wants to say that. No one wants to say years passed. Everybody say, I don't want to say years passed. <laughs> not days passed. Not it was a long, not 2020 was long. It says years. We know how many years because at the end it says it was exactly 430 years. The end of the story tells us the years. So God's faithful, and um, his faithfulness goes beyond generation. Many things that you experience in your life are from a praying descendant from possibly hundreds and hundreds of years ago. I mean, really, for that matter, God's promise and his faithfulness is that we are living out. This is the craziness of God, right? Craziness to our minds. He's saying we're crazy right? He's normal. We're abnormal. But our minds can't, you know, we can't even understand God. But God in his faithfulness, we are living out Jesus's 
promise 2,000 years ago, even though it's 2,000 years later, we are still walking out the fulfillment to Jesus on the cross. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? That God is so faithful. He's faithful 2,000 years into the future. We are still continuing to grow the kingdom of God like he promised. And I just love him so much, and I love his faithfulness. So it says, years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued. Everybody say they continued. That means that they had been groaning. They continued to groan under the burden of slavery. Their cry, they cried out for help, and their cry rose. I want you to say this. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. Isn't that amazing? I just love that. It says that God, verse 24, heard. I want you to say this out loud. I won't make you read every verse out loud, but I want you to say this again. God heard their groaning. And the Bible says that he remembered those covenants that Tom was talking about before the service. He remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In human terms, we say God has abandoned us. God has forsaken us. God has failed us. God is gone. It's been 430 years. God is absent from our culture, from this nation. In God's perspective, he is looking and hears the groan and cry and remembers right on time. Amen. Because it says, I love how the NLT translates this, because I think this is proper. It's the, only the NLT that says this. It says, verse 25, he looked down on the people, and you may know it in your translation as he acknowledged them, which is fine. I'm not opposed to that translation. He was aware of them. But I love how the NLT says it, and he knew it was time to act. That's what the NLT says. He heard it. He remembered. It wasn't just simply an acknowledgement of them. I'm aware of what's going on, but now is the time. The time has come. Isn't that amazing? God says the time has come. And uh, we are looking for his return. We are faithfully trusting in him and looking faithfully for the Lord's return. And I believe it's soon. Who believes that the Lord's return is soon? I don't know if that's in my lifetime because apparently to God, 430 years is no big deal, right? He was right on time. He heard their cry and he answered their cry. As far as God's perspective goes is I heard it and, I'm, and I've dealt with it and he dealt very severely with it. We're going to read a couple of those verses right here. But I believe it's soon and so... The Bible has told me to have that perspective. Whether it happens or not is not my job to micromanage, is it? It tells us to look for his coming, and if I die before that, I have done what the word told me to do. And what does it do? It causes us to be a healthier Christian. I've said it before, that a child that thinks their parent is coming home any minute is going to be a better child, <laughs> right? If you think your parent, if your parent says, I'll be home on Monday and it's Saturday, guess what? Party time. But if your parent says, I could come back at any minute all weekend, 
the party will probably get delayed. Amen. So that's why it's healthy Christianity to be looking for his coming. If we think we've got time, what happens? We are just big babies grown up, right? We're adults. We're still just that children, right? People just get bigger bodies, right? They grow taller, but that child inside that thinks they can get away with it, if you give room, the child will try to get away with whatever they can. So we're just healthy looking for his coming, and I believe it is soon. But it says in Exodus, back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I heard their cries of distress. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of of the Egyptians. Verse 9, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Chapter 4, verse 31, when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. Chapter 5, verse 9, Pharaoh's response, right? Okay, listen, Exodus chapter 2 and 3, the Lord says, I see it, I'm aware of it, I'm going to deal with it. Everybody say that out loud. I see it, I'm going to deal with it. And they responded, thank you, God, in worship. Yes, Lord, right? The church said, thank you, Lord, thank you, God, God's going to deal with it. Exodus chapter 5, verse 9, Pharaoh's response Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. You know what happens when you worship God, right? Who's done this? The Lord gives you a promise. You feel encouraged in your Bible time. You feel encouraged in a service. You feel encouraged by the promises of God. You play a song and it touches your heart. You're filled with faith. And immediately Satan, that's who Pharaoh is, right? Pharaoh is a picture of Satan. He's even got the serpent on his head, right? He is a metaphor to Satan, right? He was in the flesh, but he was Satan to, this, to the Israelites. And he is the picture of what the enemy does. He says, now make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to lies. Who was the liar here? Is it God or is it Satan? Who's the liar? Is it God or is it Pharaoh? Ironically, Pharaoh, and this is what uh, even Satan did to Eve. He tries to get you to doubt God's faithfulness and his promises and tries to turn God's words into lies. And meanwhile, what Satan is spewing is the lie and tries to convince the people that what he's saying is the truth. Isn't that ironic? The devil will immediately, the moment you say, yes, Lord, and you begin to pray, and you begin to praise God, you begin to thank him for the word that he's given you, the enemy, the Bible says that, that uh, the moment that the seed is sown, the enemy is going to try to steal it. That's why we have to hide it down in the deep, dark depths of the soil, right? You got to protect the word of the Lord. You really do. You have to take the word of God and you got to hide that thing down in the darkness of your soul. 
and let it do, I mean, it's going to turn it into light. It's going to grow in that place, but that's where it's got, it's got to be hidden, in that hidden place inside, because on the surface, you put that word on the surface, the Bible says the seed is right, just trampled on it, blows away. You put it not deep enough, it's, you know, it's in a little bit, and the Bible says that it grows for a little while, right? And then immediately, things of this world, right, they come and they just choke it out and you lose it. So we have to put it down deep in us, the word of the Lord. And what the devil will try to do is he will convince you that God's promises and God's faithfulness are lies. And the way he does it is that he works in time. I've been talking a lot about time recently because I believe that's what the Lord is really, the word of the Lord right now, is that God's timing is not our timing. God's ways are not our ways. And what the enemy is trying to get his people to do is get trapped in the moment. Get trapped in the time, right? Have you ever had a tooth drilled out? Anybody had a tooth dealt with? In the moment, it's not very comfortable. I hate the pinch of that little tiny needle. And I can't stand when that, when that bit hits my nerves. I have sensitive teeth nerves hits my nerve and makes me jolt from my head to my toes, right? Not everybody gets that, but that's I have very sensitive nerves in my teeth. Maybe someone understands what I mean. But in the moment, it's not very comfortable. But for years and years and years, you will have the benefits of that tooth filled. Imagine Satan now, what he will try to do is get you to focus on the bit drilling into the tooth, which is really for your benefit, but it's painful for a moment. And if he can get you to focus there and you just get trapped there, what you could actually, what he will try to convince you to think is that God hates you. God has abandoned you, right? This dentist, right? Let's just put the metaphor into practice here. That dentist hates me. Why is he drilling? He literally has a drill bit in my mouth, drilling into my teeth. Doesn't this dentist know that that hurts? Doesn't he know that it's uncomfortable? And meanwhile, his, what he's working in you is to help you. And the lie of Satan is that if he can get you to sweat and get you focused on the moment and not the greater picture of what God is doing, then he's got you. And we need to have eyes to see, ears to hear. We need to rise above. We need to look like the eagle, we need to look from a higher perspective at a greater picture of what God is doing right now. We need to rise above 2020 and even 2021. You need to rise above the 2020s. I know that you don't want to hear that right now. But you need to rise above that because these children, these, all these little children will be raising in here. I mean, they're not even going to be my age until, what, 2040s or something in my quick math, right? It's, so we need to rise above even the next decade and see that if we're looking really like God does, we need to look way, way ahead. And we need to endure what we must endure for a season. We must be faithful, but we must look like he does and understand that God's perspective is greater than one moment in time, even a hard time. It's greater than this moment, and he is doing something. Amen. I know that you've been hearing this, but I feel like the Lord needs to say it again. So it says in verse 14 that they whipped the Israelite foreman. He said, make them sweat, and then they whipped them. Now, this was unjust. Everybody say it was unjust. It was an injustice. It was unjust and injustice. Verse 21, it says, the foreman said to them, May the Lord judge and punish you. 
This is, the foreman spoke to Moses and said, May the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. Hold on a second. I don't even want to read the rest of the verse. I want you to hear Exodus 4, 31 again. It says, When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. They heard the Lord was for them. They bowed down and worshipped. When the going gets tough, chapter 5, one chapter over, they say, May the Lord judge you and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword into their hands, an excuse to kill us. When we press into the Lord, when we believe God, and when we pray, and we say, God, you must move in this situation, it's good Christianity to be prepared for this next moment that will absolutely inevitably come. Just get ready for it so that you can endure it, stay steadfast, stay strong, and get through it, because God's got a miracle on the other side. But the inevitable, inevitable thing is that when I strike as the boxer in this match, just know that there is an enemy on the other side that's going to strike back. You must know right then, God's already promised the victory, but there's going to be a fight in the between, in the middle. I'm going to hold on to the victory, but I'm going to endure through the fight. I want you to say that out loud. I'm holding on to God's victory, but there's a fight in the middle. It says, verse 22, Moses went back to the Lord and protested, Why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you even send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people, and you have done nothing to rescue them. Is this allegory? It's a real story, but is this, it becomes an allegory for your life. Does anything here seem familiar at times where you've gone through stuff that it gets tough before it gets better? Right? You say, okay, Lord, I'll believe you. Well, you better get ready to hold on to that promise because the enemy is going to try to steal it from you. He doesn't want you to have victory. What happens when you have victory? Really, a whole bunch of things. One is that we go back to chapter 4, verse 31. We worship him again, huh? The devil hates when we worship God. And what happens, you worship God at the, at the word of the promise, but you really worship God when you reap the harvest of the promise, don't you? What also happens when you worship God and the promise? You're a testimony. You know what? A testimony is way worse. If God touches you, you're one person. But your testimony is so powerful. The Bible says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Yes, that's the word of God as a whole. The whole word is our testimony. But you have a personal testimony that the word, the flesh, the word made flesh, did in you. Your own personal private story, it becomes a testimony. It's merged together. Your life and the word of God become merged together as one right? We are one. 
he and us, I and him, right? That's the word. He is the word. So the testimony is your story merged together with the word of God. And the Bible says that it overcomes the enemy. So if he can keep that testimony, because that's it. He wants to rob you from your blessings. He wants to rob you so that you don't worship God. And he wants to rob from you so that you don't spread his gospel that he has done in your life to anybody else. You are so much more powerful than you know to the enemy. That's why he's called a toothless lion. We tread upon the, the scorpions, the serpents, and the lions under our feet. That's where they live. The enemy is under our feet. But if we let him abuse us, if we let the abuses that we go through at times in our lives, every single pillar in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation went through hardship, but God's faithfulness was on the other side. Amen. And this was God's response to Moses. Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. Then, everybody say then. It's very important because, you know, we turn the page, we turn the chapter, but really this is one conversation. Moses, this is what's going on. Pharaoh's trying to make it more brutal. He's making it worse. Okay, God, I believe you. Things get worse. Situation gets worse. That's where we must bite our lips a little bit, right, and just put your toes into the ground, grab a hold of his word, and believe even more, because this is what God says. He says, then the Lord told Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Amen. When he feels the force of my strong hand, this is where you know, the devil thinks, Pharaoh just thinks, these are my people, this is my nation, and you're my slave, and you're going to do what I say. God, it looks like, is late to the party, late to the fight. God, I'm over here fighting by myself. God is right on time all the time, every time. I'm going to keep saying that in this season. Because he says, now, everybody say, now. Now is the time when the Lord, you just have to hold on because there is a moment. It seems like God just finally or suddenly shows up. That's just because it's your reality, your time. But I promise you this, there is a moment where God steps into your fight. Who has seen that? Who has seen where suddenly God is in the fight? And then you just step to the side and you worship him, and you just watch him do it supernaturally. He, when he feels the force of my strong hand, he will. Come on, the Lord's speaking a word here. He will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. Amen. We know the rest of this story. I'm not going to preach into into any more depth of it today but just that he says he just continues in verse 2 that he's i'm yahweh i'm the lord i appeared to abraham isaac and jacob el shaddai god almighty um he says i in verse 4 i reaffirm my covenant with them and under its terms i promised to give them the land of Canaan, where they were living as foreigners. In verse 5, you can be sure, again, he's reaffirming what he had already said in chapter 2 and in chapter 3. 
you can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I'm well aware of my covenant with them. Amen. The Bible says this, and I want to just say it in the words I feel like the Lord gave me for today. You are precious to God. He hears every cry. So hold on. Don't quit. Trust fully in him. I'm going to say that statement again. You are precious to God. He hears every cry. So hold on. Don't quit. Trust fully in him. I just want to share, I don't want to keep you guys too long today. I know it is snowing outside, and uh, I think we all have four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive here in our modern day, but uh, still, I will try to not be too long here. I just want to say a few more things. Are we okay for a few more minutes? The Bible says really so many things over and over and over again that are the same in different stories and in different ways, but it's the same story over and over again, that if we trust in him, he will take care of us, take care of the situation. He watches over us. I pray his blood over my family each day. I pray the angels to surround my family, surround this church. I ex- then I extend it. I start praying for the blood of Jesus over this church and the angels of God around this church. And I believe that when I'm saying those prayers, I'm not wasting my breath. I believe that those prayers are real, that God is faithful to us. Amen. A couple of quick things that I believe that will bring those things together. Last week we looked at 1 Corinthians, and it says in in chapter 15, verse 1, he says, I preached the good news to you, and he says, uh, he says, you welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe. I want you to say that out loud. If I continue to believe. He says, Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. This is a moment of if we continue to believe. If we continue to believe, he sums it up in chapter 15 in verse, by, with verse 58, which I read last week. So, my dear brothers, be strong and immovable. It's a moment right now where we must just be immovable. We must be strong in the Lord. We must just get into his presence like never before. We must anchor to Christ right now. Things are changing so rapidly. Just this week, just what, a couple days ago, they just passed the law that we are not, they're not allowed to say the Pledge of Allegiance before they convene Congress anymore. I mean, that is what they represent, I thought, was this flag, this nation. So the pledge... I don't know what they're doing there then if they're not pledging allegiance. They're pledging allegiance to someone, something. It's not the America that God founded anymore, if that's what they're going to do. That's just two weeks and the Pledge of Allegiance is already gone? Two weeks in, we're going to just remove the Pledge of Allegiance? We need to hold on to Christ right now, and we're going to need to really trust him, 
trust him and not look at Pharaoh and not look at the burdens, not look, and this is, this is that's national, and this is personal. Your own life, what you're going through, the things you're going through, the enemy is going to try to get you tired. That's what it says here in Galatians 6. It says you cannot uh, mock the justice of God, verse 7. You will always harvest what you plant. And he says, uh, verse 9, let's not get tired. Everybody say, don't get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if, everybody say if, we don't give up. God's blessing is there. There is a victory. There is a miracle on the other side. Amen. And I need you to grab a hold of this. Even if the miracle and the victory is heaven. <laughs> if I was to talk to someone in China, they probably wouldn't have a lot of faith that their nation is suddenly going to become democratic and Christian. But they can have incredible faith that even though they live in a communist nation, that Jesus Christ is greater and that they're looking forward to a heavenly homeland. Amen. So you're going to have to have a faith that is greater than the national faith. And we have a national faith, too. I'm still believing and praying every single day for this nation. But no matter what happens and no matter its fate, no matter what their taunts are, no matter the sweat or the whipping, I'm going to look to the Lord and his promises and his faithfulness. And I thank him that his faithfulness and his promises are greater than my timeline. They're greater than a generation. They're greater than the American flag, even greater. As much as he loves this nation and loves this people, it's even greater than that. Greater. And it's eternal. And that's what we're going to look to. We're going to look through it, and we're going to believe him for this nation, and we're going to look to the heavenly nation beyond it as well. So do not get weary. Do not get tired. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. The word of the Lord is that... We're not going to give up, and it's the if, 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 if. Everybody say if, if, if. If we don't give up, we're going to keep believing. Who's here is going to keep believing in the Lord, keep trusting in him, trusting in him beyond it, beyond the natural. We need to look to the Lord like never before, and it's not just a blanket statement. I'm just not being flippant about this, and I want to say this just these next minutes. I'm just trying to not say too much, but I believe that it's that the Lord is encouraging our hearts today. And so what do we do, as I say many times in the meantime, and I believe the Lord has really directed us to stay in the, in the faith and just keep praying. Everybody say, just keep praying. If you haven't seen, now this is what the Lord said to me, if you haven't seen the miracle, we're going to keep praying, right? And this is what the Lord said. The Lord said, if the issue persists, then prayer must persist. As long as the issue persists, then prayer must persist. Because the issues that are facing you right now, whatever that is, that's personally, that's nationally, that's globally, if we do not stand against the issue, the issue will win. God has put us on the earth, in our families, in this region, at this time, in this nation, for a purpose. 
And yes, there's this amazing relationship we have with him. There's this victory that we have with him. We overcome sin and we overcome the issues of this flesh and we come to the cross and we have this amazing moment with him and we have eternity secure in him. But then there's this time on the earth and it's not just to perfect you. You are not here for 70, 80, or 100 years to become perfect like Christ and die. That's a very much a, uh, that is the central thing that is happening uh, in you, but there is something that's to come out of you, and that's the ambassadorship. That is the person, the giftings, and the callings. Your calling is not to get over sin. We've turned Christianity into either a social club or it can go the other way. And all that it is, is it's just, it's just, it's at the cross every week. And all it is, just people trying to get over sin their entire lives. But God wants us to, while, even while it's happening, we are supposed to be ambassadors for our family, for our region, for our nation. We are called to pray. We're called to stand in the gap. We're called to be a mouthpiece. The callings, the gifts and the callings have nothing to do with you. In fact, this is strange, but a person could even, I don't, I'm like, this is hard for me to even touch. Them going to heaven can be even questionable at the end of their life. And God still uses that person supernaturally because he loves people around them. He put a gift in a calling and he will use it. He used, I mean, Pharaoh hated God and God used Pharaoh. I don't want to be just, that's how much your, call, your gift and your calling is needed that God will use, right? And that, what happens is what? That, that becomes actually something for people of the world that actually creates confusion because they see somebody who's got sin in their life and got issues in their life and God's still using them. And then it's like, well, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. And that's because God loves their community so much. And the calling he put in them was for a purpose. And if, if, if you will not deal with you, he'll deal with that. That's an issue. But he loves that your nation around you and your community around you so much that he'll use your gifts and callings through you and meanwhile, you still got issues. And my point is that not that your issues don't matter, because that person, they're going to come before God at the great white throne of judgment. And if they've confused people or sent some people off the wrong way because of their issues in their life, they're going to deal with that. But my point is that's how important the gifts and callings are out of your life. That we must deal with the Lord in here. But meanwhile, I can't just be there. I must let the Lord deal with me, but I must let the Lord use me. I must be about his business, about the kingdom of God, and about prayer. Does that make sense? I didn't bring confusion with that, right? I'm just saying, because the Lord, is, he does so many things at once. Thank God. So when the Lord's dealing with me inside, well, he's, he's dealing with me. And so meanwhile, you know, while I'm being dealt with and he's working things out of my life, right? And he's like, oh, man, you know, don't say that can't say that to those people. Don't say that. Don't think that. You're driving, right? And the Lord's dealing with your heart, dealing with your road rage, dealing with your issues. You know, so the Lord's always working inside you. And meanwhile, though, there's this calling that is coming out of you. 
All right, I'm not going to say any more about that. I just want you to know it's the two things at once. Makes sense. Everybody get that. The church has made it either or, right? We got sloppy Christianity because all it is is the gifts and stuff, and you got people inside that have never dealt with internal. Or you got the other side, people are always just dealing with the inside. Amen. All right, so we need to be dealing with it and let the Lord use us. And so that's what... That's what this moment really is. It's a time to stand. It's a time to actually be in his presence, to be intimate with him. And, and there's this fine line where, okay, Lord, I want to spend some time with you. And now I want to spend some time in prayer through, uh, I want you to work through me. Spend some time with you, and you work through me. Now, Jesus really lived this perfectly. Jesus withdrew. He spent the time with the Lord. And as hard as it is for us to understand that Jesus had to deal with God, but he learned submission, the Bible says. God, God taught him, and he learned to be submitted, and then he would come down off the mountain, and God would use him. Jesus couldn't just go out and do the miracle. As weird as that is, he's the son of God. He, he withdrew and spent time with the Lord first, but then he couldn't just stay there and be like, this is amazing, I'm on the mountain with God, this is so awesome, I'm learning, I'm growing, and never come down and deal with the nation. Amen. And that's where we're at. We need to be serious about both things right now, very, very seriously about both at once. Does that make sense? All right, I'm not going to beat that any harder. I believe that the Lord's spoken there. So we're not giving up. We're going to hold on. We're going to keep praying. And this is what the Lord says. He gives us this promise. Jesus himself, Jesus literally told us, how to pray. It's in Luke chapter 18, and it just says this. He basically says in Luke 18, he talks about this widow in verse, and, and chapter 18, verse 1, he talks about this widow, and he says uh, uh, that, that about never giving up, about praying, he goes into verse 2, he says, there was a judge in a certain city, and he, and he didn't fear God, he didn't care about people. But this widow, in verse 3, keeps coming to him repeatedly saying, give me justice. Everybody say, give me justice. The Lord says, Jesus literally spoke to us and told us exactly the type of prayer that God responds to. Aren't you glad that there's no, you know, we, there's so many mysteries, but so many things God has told us so clearly. This is the type of prayer that God responds to. He said, the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. This is Jesus Christ, not that Paul's commentary on the word is invalid in Corinthians or Ephesians, you know, talking to us you know, via Christ through him. But this is Jesus' words direct. This is the type of prayer that my father responds to. It's the constant request. He said, then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Jesus literally told us 
God responds, and in fact, there's, this is another sermon where I don't have time for that today. I've preached on just this one verse alone. It really, the wording here means that when he comes, he won't find faith. It's going to be hard to find people that just keep praying. What happens is, is the devil is relentless. This world can be relentless. It's getting darker and darker and harder and harder. And what that does is it wears you down, right? It makes you frustrated. It makes you uncomfortable. You start blurting out your mouth. You just start kind of, you know, getting a little loose. You, you still love the Lord. We, we know we're going to go to heaven, but we're just like, eh, whatever. I read, yeah, I think I read today. Did I read today? I did read today. I'm good. That's what we end up, you know, it's what happens. I'm, I'm just like, we're all the same, right? I did read today. That's right. I prayed. I prayed. Was that today or yesterday I prayed? If you don't remember which day you prayed, it's time to pray again. Who has a thought like that? That's my own thoughts. I just revealed my own thoughts. But God said, listen, I'm warning you, when I come back, it's going to be hard to find people that are, that are still praying, still believing. There's a warning here. But God, if you will do, he, he literally tells us, if you will keep praying, God's going to give you justice. And I love that it says it'll come quickly. It's not in our time. But if you keep praying and keep praying and keep praying, God responds to that. And that's exactly what it says there in Exodus. I mean, the whole word says the same thing. You go from, we're connecting from Exodus all the way thousands of years later over to Jesus speaking. And he's telling us the same thing, that he heard their cries because it said that they had been groaning. That means they continued to groan, continued to pray, continued to cry out. We cry out to God until he gives us the answer. You don't stop praying if you haven't seen the answer. We get content in praying for five minutes and saying, well, I prayed about that. Well, did you see the answer yet? It's not that you have a lack of faith to go back into prayer. That's not what I'm saying. Make your prayer like this. Thank you, God, that you already heard my request the first time. And just like your word says that the unjust judge got sick and tired of hearing her say the same request over and over again, I'm coming to you with faith that you heard me. I'm telling you again, just reminding you that I still want the same thing in my life. Amen. And you can find the same exact thing, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. But the Bible says the same thing in Daniel chapter 9 and 10. This is what it says, and I'm going to close with this. It says that Daniel... I'm just going to read myself. I'm not even going to put it up there that he's, re he's reading in the Word. And God, he gets, there's this revelation. Oh, man, we're going to be in this thing for a while. He reads the words of Jeremiah. But he also hears the promise that God was going to deal with them, but then he was going to deliver them. So it says in verse 3 that he turns to the Lord. This is Daniel chapter 9. He pleads with him. You got, we've read this verse so many times this year, Daniel 9 and 10, and we've prayed it. But he pleads with God in prayer and fasting, and it says in verse 20, he went on praying and confessing his sin and pleading with the Lord, and it says, as I was praying, verse 21, Gabriel, whom I'd seen in earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice, and he explained to me, verse 22, Daniel, I have come to give you insight and understanding. Verse 23, I want you to read this out loud. The moment I began praying, a command was given. And now I'm here to tell you what it was, for you're very precious to God. That's why the Lord really wanted me to, to say this. You are precious to him. 
there's so many verses, I get it. I just didn't have the time because it just takes, takes time to read his word, doesn't it? That's a good thing. But it takes time and there's so much. But he just, over and over, his words just fill. You read the Psalms and you, we are precious to God. Right, Dan? We are so precious to him. He loves us so much. His only son, that's how much he loves us. His only son let him bleed for us. And not just let him die, but brutally. That's how precious we are to God. He says in chapter 10, something very similar. And the same kind of thing, he uh, goes into mourning, into fasting for three weeks, it says. And then it says in, in uh, chapter 10 of Daniel, verse 4, that he looks up and it says in verse 5 that he sees this man, he's glowing, and uh, we don't know if it's Jesus or an angel, it doesn't say, could be Jesus, Old Testament, but his body was like a precious gem, verse 6, and his uh, his face flashed like lightning and his eyes were flaming torches, so it sounds a lot like Jesus. Most likely it was him, but doesn't say it, so I just want to tell you that. But it says his arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. And it says in verse 11, and the man said to me, Daniel, again, he says in chapter 10, you are very precious to God, so listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. And verse 12 says this, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day, everybody say this out loud, since the first day I began to pray, it says the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your request has been heard in heaven, and I have come to answer your prayer. But, everybody say but. The first day God heard it. The unjust judge heard the woman the first time, but Jesus says that if you haven't seen the answer yet, he gives another parable, right? That if you go to a friend's house and it's midnight, you knock on their door, they're going to say, go away. It's midnight. Well, guess what? Even if it's not a great friend, if you keep knocking on the door, what's going to happen? Even if it's late at night, even you're someone who's not a great friend, you keep knocking on the door, you know what Jesus, Jesus said? That person's going to get up and finally be like, what do you want? Now, that's not God. He's not saying that's God. He's just saying that if the earth is like that, imagine God who, who does care and loves us. And the point is to keep praying, to keep standing, keep believing. Don't stop believing. Don't quit. The Lord's encouraging us, don't quit. Don't stop believing. You have to keep believing. That's his word to us today. Because he said for 21 days, there was things going on in the supernatural. It says, it says in verse 12, it's been heard in heaven, but verse 13, for 21 days, there was some stuff going on in the supernatural that is greater than your understanding. There were some things going on in the heavens. Everybody say in the heavens. There was a spiritual battle between light and darkness going on for 21 days. There was some principalities and some powers and people were wrestling over. There was, you know that even when Moses died, the Bible says that Satan fought with God over his body. There are things that we don't understand. You know why? Because Moses disobeys God as his last right, his last act. And there's this disagreement. And Moses, right, he's trying to say, that's my body. There are things in the unseen that are going on. And what do we do? The Bible says, the unseen is doing its thing. And you keep praying. 
We're praying for 21 days, and while we're praying, God is doing something in the supernatural. The angels are warring. They're warring for you and fighting for you. You're praying and fasting in the natural and in the scene, and it looks like nothing is happening. I'm just praying the same prayer every day, fasting the same meals every day, and it's nothing is going on. Nothing's happening, God. Where are you? Just like Moses said to God, God, you're doing nothing. Just because it looks like he's doing nothing doesn't mean he's doing nothing. It means that it's beyond your understanding. And that's what he says, I've come to give you understanding for 21 days. I was dealing with the kick, this spirit prince, the principalities of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. This is deep, dark, I mean, this is like deep stuff, heavenly stuff. But I'm here to explain what will happen, verse 14, in the... Uh, to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. And then he says in verse 20, he says, Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, and after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. The, angels were, the angel was saying, the Lord was saying here, this was probably an angel, this is not the Lord in, in uh, chapter 9, but that there was this spiritual war going on in the unseen. And what the Lord is telling us today is that let him deal with that. He didn't ask Daniel to help in that. Daniel, you know, you're going to come up here and you need to fight principalities and powers. Let the Lord deal with what he's doing in the unseen. But know this, that the moment we begin to pray and plead with the Lord, and whatever the issue, whatever the cry is, whatever the groan is, even in the darkest moment, even one whisper to the Lord, the Lord has seen every and heard every prayer. The Lord has seen every tear that you've cried. He has seen every single one. There is no injustice that, he has, that has gone unseen. And the Lord will deal with every single injustice. And every single prayer will be answered. It may not come in the time that you planned, it may not come in the way that you want, and there might be some stuff that gets dug out of you in the process, and you might even be a different person when it's all said and done. But know this, that the Lord is dealing with the unseen, and he's dealing with us, and that the Lord is at work. He has not forgotten us. He has not forsaken us. He has a plan. He has a purpose, and he will fulfill every promise that he said. Thank you, Lord. Amen.